You talking to me? Happy Thanksgiving, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays. Hope you got a full belly and are ready to talk about some movies because we are busy this week in the screening room. Welcome. This is the Screening Room Podcast. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from madwolf.com. A bunch to talk about, not only new releases, there's a couple of good things coming out on video and DVD this week as well. But let's get right to it. Disney has had a fine 2016, and they keep it rolling with their latest Moana. Maui, shapeshifter, demigod of the wind and sea, I am Hero of men. What? It's actually Maui, shapeshifter, demigod of the wind and sea, hero of men. I interrupted from the top, hero of men. Go. I'm not going on a mission with some little girl. This is my canoe, and you will journey to death. We're going to the realm of monsters. Don't worry, it's a lot farther down than it looks. What a gorgeous movie this is. You know, and it's funny. So Disney put out Zootopia earlier this year. Oh, which loved it. It's a contender for my top 10 of the year. Me I too. loved that movie, and it was so not Disney-like. Yeah. So they do kind of veer back a little to the old path that they're used to because we've got a princess. There's a lot of merchandising opportunities with this. <laughs> Although she points out, she says, Moana says, she is not a princess. She's the daughter of the tribal chief. But uh, as Maui voiced quite well by Dwayne Johnson says, you got a dress, you got an animal sidekick, you're a princess. You know, I got to break my arm, pat myself on the back. I, I called Dwayne Johnson years ago. You did. That this guy had the charisma. Of, and I'm not saying he's going to win an Oscar next week or anything, but he's just got it. He's got it on screen, and he's just he's become... Well, I think we know he's the, the highest paid actor right now, he isn't is. he? He is the highest uh, paid working actor and today, he just, which is crazy. It is. But, but you don't get that unless you put butts in seats. Right, and he just brings something to the screen. And as we've said before, voice acting, just because you're a good actor doesn't mean you can voice act. No, it's totally exact, different. It's very, very different, so the and fact, he does a good job The with fact it. that he has the talent to do this as well as well is just another kind of feather in his in his cap. So. And it's kind of funny because he is apparently the sexiest man alive. He just won which, that, didn't which he? Which makes it a little funny that right now he's playing a very, very, very broad <laughs> <laughs> Polynesian demigod. Right, and the story goes he's got a magic fish hook, mm-hmm. right, that can summon... Anything. Well, what it is, he, with the fish hook, he can sh- shape shift. And he used it, he's a bit of a trickster, to steal uh, the heart of the earth goddess, which he thought he was giving to the humans so that they could create life. But what he did was kind of curse the earth. And so all of the Polynesian islands, one by one, start to rot. And so Moana is called, literally called by the sea, to find Maui, find his fish hook get the heart back to the uh, earth goddess and, and save her people. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's, it's very fun, the adventure that these two go on. It's, it's you know, the, the sort of menaces that they run across. You know, it is a lot of fun. It's also gorgeous, you know, in the same way that sort of Finding Dory is gorgeous. Just, mm-hmm. you know, there are so many opportunities for kind of dazzling visuals when you're on the high seas. And uh, there is a, a jewel-encrusted crab played by the always welcome Jemaine Clement. And it's got those pirate, coconut pirates. Coconut pirates. They're, they're <laughs> my favorite. They're the cutest things ever. It's just, it is a lot, a lot of fun. And they also, uh, they kind of poke fun at Disney traditions. And also, and I'm going to just say this, two things that I was really happy about in this movie. Number one, 
um, sturdier looking characters. Mm-hmm. Happy about that. And number two, there is no even hinted at love story, mm-hmm. which because you know what? I find that creepy. They're just all these pre-adolescent girls and their love stories. Uh, blah, gross. So there's not even the sort of one in this one, which is nice. So it's it's more self-aware. It is. It is self-aware. No, it's still a lot of the same Disney trappings. You yeah. know, self-empowerment. Sure. And, you know, a whole new world. Just all of this sort of, you know, the, the, the adolescent girl trying to decide who she is and if she wants to give up on her dreams to just fulfill the responsibilities that her family has for her. It's that story. It's just that it's told in a in a a little more clever way and and really a visually gorgeous way. And also, um, it's nice to see Disney step outside its cultural box. Mm-hmm. You know, they they're really uh, with the the artwork. Uh, a lot of the music and then the the tattoos and things. I mean, it's more than just a condescending nod toward Polynesian culture. So that that was kind of exciting as well. So it's not as socially conscious as Zootopia was, which was surprisingly so, yes, by the way. Very. But it also it it's taking on some of the criticisms of the usual Disney mm-hmm. stock and and moving beyond them. Exactly. So, and so, you know, and and it's also just a very entertaining and great looking family movie. Yeah. Well, that's certainly important. So especially around. Around the holiday season, looking for a good family movie. They certainly have had, Disney's had a, a good year. Yes, they and have. And they're closing it on a high note with Moana. Uh, definitely a good family movie. Let's go to the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> and One you shouldn't be taking your kids to. <laughs> Bad Santa 2. I traveled all the way across the country to rob a charity. I got an associate who's got this thing all lined up. What associate? Mom. You still hit like your father. Not working with that poison bitch. Come on, boy. Be just like old times. You mean a living nightmare? Why didn't you say so? I'm in. Yes, me if you elf! What is he doing here? You got smaller. F- you. Hard to believe it has been 13 years since Bad Santa. And I'll, I'll be honest, I was looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. I saw they were making a Bad Santa 2. I'm in. But once you see the movie, the fact that 13 years have passed, just makes it smell more like desperation than inspiration yeah. and that is how the movie turns out we get back in touch with willie who's pretty much reached the end of his miserable life he's he's ready to end it when our old buddy thurman merman pops love in him. we loved him then it's a little harder to to really find a place to fit with this movie he's 21 years old Shut now up. and he lets willie know that uh, willie's old pal marcus has some serious news so uh, marcus says that he has a they're in arizona and Marcus says that they need to go to Chicago for a guaranteed score of a couple million bucks. Woo! They basically have to rob a charity. They got to put the old suits on, ring a few bells, collect some money, and then on Christmas Eve, just rob the safe. Done deal. Well, Willie's in, and then he gets there and finds out the other part of the story is they're working with Willie's long estranged mother, Kathy Bates, who has organized this whole deal. And she is equally charming as Willie. And, you know, that's. Then the problems start right there. You've got Kathy Bates in the movie, and basically we've got a new director, we've got a new writing team who really don't seem to realize what made the first one work so well. Yes, the first one was incredibly crude, but it had more going for it than that. You had a little bit of subversive social commentary, Mm -hmm. and you had some conflict for Bad Santa's incredible crudeness. Mm -hmm. You had Thurman Merman, who was an 8-year-old, who was... That felt impossibly real. He was, yeah. he had an unending belief in Santa Claus right. and that this man was Santa Claus, and that created a nice conflict. And then you also had the character like John Ritter, mm-hmm. who was just always 
on edge about what Willie was going to do. And so you had these different narratives. You had a conflict. You had great supporting characters. Mm-hmm. This movie has none of that. All it has is thin, newly supporting characters, very thin, contrived situations, and just a feeling that all we have to do is be rude and bring these characters back. And, oh, we got Kathy Bates. Look how fun that is. And, no, it's, it's, it's sad that they, they came to this. Uh, again, they don't know what to do with Thurman Merman. It, it's a kick to see him at 21 years old. But after that, uh, they try to find things for him to do, but it's, it's not the same. And uh, it's just I didn't find it funny. Uh, just being crude is not funny. It has to, to go somewhere. Well, it reminds me of, uh, we were talking about earlier, the sequels that they made to Kick-Ass and also Machete. Machete. That those two films had had uh, the great tone, a great tone. The originals did. The originals did. That And, and the same with Bad Santa. Mm-hmm. It was, of course, Terry Zweigoff is a great director. Yeah, he directed the first one. And and, 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 and with, all three, with all three films, when they finally came out with a sequel, it, it, they didn't understand right. how... It just went mean. Yep. And all those movies have a mean streak, but they they balance it with something yep. else. And this that's does exactly not. right. This has a little bit of a mean streak and a bit of of a misogynist streak too. I have to say. Mm-hmm. And um, they really seem to have no idea what made the first one work so well. It right. Doesn't it just it wasn't just the fact that you were mixing the sacred of Christmas with the profane of this guy's language sure. and actions. It was more than that. So this was a big disappointment. Bad Santa too. Uh, not one that I would recommend this holiday season. But there's more to come, and there's more of a continuation of a theme we're seeing here toward uh, the end of the year, and that is old Hollywood, mm-hmm. old Hollywood glamour. And this one has a bit of that, and it's called Allied. There's no easy way to say what we're about to say. We suspect your wife is a German spy. It's insane. If you are right, all this will be forgotten. But if she is, you will execute her with your own hand, and if you do not comply, you'll be hanged. For 72 hours, we shall know for sure. Is this a game? A test? Everything is a test. Hey. What happened to my kiss? So how good looking is this cast? <laughs> These are spies that I'm going to trust just because of the way they look. That's exactly. So <laughs> it's so it's Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard. Right. And uh, she's a French freedom fighter, and he's a Canadian wingman working for the uh, Royal Air Force out of England. If Brad Pitt is your wingman, <laughs> your life your life is going pretty well. Can I just say that? No, different kind of different wingman. Kind of wingman. <laughs> different kind of wingman. So, uh, so he's dropped into Casablanca, and that's where the old school glamour, right away. the old Hollywood right glamour, mm-hmm. and the two of them, it's World War II, they have to pretend to be married so that they can assassi- assassinate this Nazi uh, uh, high-ranking official. And um, everything about the way it's Robert Zemeckis, and he clearly he's got he's got the visuals, he's got the grandeur down. He thinks on the big he in the big picture. He does. Yeah. He absolutely does. And the whole first act is pretty great, actually. It's it's very much got that throwback vintage feel, you know. And their performances are, especially Brad Pitt, stiff, but in a way that feels like the movies you would have watched in the '40s, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of stiff Cary Grant esque kind of delivery. 
which fits. Um, and unfortunately, once the whole first act, you know, craziness gets over, then they go back to London and they marry and they settle in and the movie just never captures, never recaptures the excitement of the first act. And it it becomes a bit convoluted. And so the, the conflict becomes Brad Pitt is told that his wife may be a German spy. Exactly. And if so, he has to kill her. He has to kill her. So that's the other thing is that all of the, the tensions they're so melodramatic as to be just absolutely ludicrous. Why would that be the rule? That mm-hmm. that's an idiotic. I mean, and and Brad Pitt and Marion Cotillard, Cotillard in particular, who is a very she's a she's a more talented actor. She's great. She's I mean she's more almost any movie you're going to put her in. She's more talented than the rest of the cast. She's really great. And one of the things that she has is she just this effortless way with the way she uh, expresses things physically, so that in, in this character. No matter what it is she's coming across, there's this tiny hint of something's not right. Mm. You know, there's this little hint of she's she's thinking extra hard about this. Should I be worried? And she does a great job. Brad Pitt does a very good job as well. Supporting cast is quite good, too. I think the problem is it's written by Stephen Knight, who has done a lot of things, including my favorite, Eastern Promises. Oh, yeah. But a lot of, and, and there are a lot of them are set in London, a lot of them set in kind of the underworld. They, they benefit from a grittier telling. And Robert Zemeckis likes a big stage. Yeah. And so the two, the writing and the direction, really never mesh mm-hmm. after that first act. And um, Yeah, he always, Zemeckis likes a Hollywood shine on he, everything. He does. And if you remember, he did Flight a couple mm-hmm. of years ago. He did The Walk last year. So he li- And he's, he's really a master of the visual. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the best scenes in this movie are... You know things that happen with an air raid going on above you, and I mean it is it is it, it, certain scenes are really glorious to look at. It just doesn't match with the story, and eventually the whole thing seems too melodramatic to the mm-hmm. point of being almost silly. So after a good start and and strong lead performances, kind of falters exactly near the end, and that is allied and continuing the old Hollywood even more so as for the theme for the movie, uh, old Hollywood glamour. The new one from Warren Beatty, and he is back as a director and co-writer for the first time in years, and an actor for the first time in years, and it's called Rules Don't Apply. Two weeks in Los Angeles, and you're working for Howard Hughes. No harm having high hopes, ma'am. From all I've read about Howard Hughes, I hope he doesn't expect to meet you in some hotel room. Mr. Hughes, I'd like to thank you for my acting classes, thank you for my ballet classes, and thank you for the chance to become a star. What the hell is she doing here? You said you wanted the girl with, with, with the two ends. Yes, Marilyn Monroe. <gasps> That's Marlon Mabry. She's a Baptist nun. Amen. Amen. Maybe I'm not the right girl for this. I'm a square. A movie actress should have big bosoms and be sexy. I mean, in this town, aren't those the rules? You're an exception. The rules don't apply to you. Yeah, Warren Beatty hasn't directed a movie since 1998. Wow. Bull- Bullworth. Wow. And he hasn't been in a movie since 01, that disastrous town and country. Oh, is that his last yeah, movie? Yeah, that was his last movie as an actor. Wow. Yeah. So he is back as a side character. He plays Howard Hughes yeah. in this movie, but it's not he's not the main character. The main it's a couple, Alden Einrich, mm-hmm. who's gonna be the new Han Solo, uh, and also um Phil Collins' daughter, Lily Collins. Right. right. They're a young couple in old Hollywood, and then Howard Hughes becomes sort of a complication. That's the thing, right? So Beatty plays Howard Hughes, and even though he doesn't really show up until quite a ways through the film, and he doesn't he doesn't have a great deal of screen time, his presence looms large, right? Because he and his money are the reason that these two youngsters have their shot in Hollywood. And and so it, it complicates things because of, of what exactly is his relationship to each of these two people, and they don't seem to know, and, and it's 
is it creepy? Is it not creepy? But then they have this sort of awkward romance, which is very nice. But a little bit like Allied, the pieces don't all come together very yeah, well in this It needs a little one. more focus. It does. And Warren Beatty plays Howard Hughes sort of at the beginning of his his downward spiral of right. eccentricities. Right. And so you're not quite sure, is he playing him a bit of a farce? Or is he trying to really go from the heart? And it's it's just one of the things about the movie that is needs a little bit more cohesion. Well, I think also it's difficult to tell whether the movie is sort of taking jabs at the old studio system mm-hmm. and, and the corruption and, and the Which manipulation. Which he came up in. Yeah. Right. Or whether it's kind of an homage to that. It, 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 it doesn't seem to decide yeah. which direction it's going with that. Yeah, but it, as we said, it continues this late year theme of old Hollywood and one that we're, we're not going to review right now uh, but really continues that theme in a big way is La La Land. Look right, out so that for comes that. Out in a couple weeks. Just got to see that. It is one of the best movies of the year and we'll talk in depth about that in a couple of weeks but that really continues this old Hollywood theme. So Rules Don't Apply, the latest from Warren Beatty and in limited release there's a couple more this week that certainly deserve mention and the next one is the latest from a filmmaker we love whose name is Jeff Nichols and his new movie is called Loving. For me personally Jeff Nichols is probably the most reliably brilliant American filmmaker working today. I think it was 2011 our favorite movie of that year was called Take Shelter. If you haven't seen it and you can look it up and find it, see it, it's brilliant. He's also done Mud, which was so charming and beautiful and wonderful. And and just earlier this year, he did uh, Midnight, Midnight Special, Special, which is, I mean, and, and he has such a beautiful storytelling lilt about his films. And, and many of them are, and, and, and Loving Just Like Mud is set in the, in the rural south, and he is from the rural south. And he just really knows how to capture the cadence and just the gorgeous landscape and working. And, and this is the first time that he's done one that is, it's a true story. It's a, it's, a, it's a story of Richard and Mildred Loving, an interracial couple. They married in uh, Virginia. They married in D.C., but they lived in Virginia in 1958. Which was against the law at the time. And their harassment led eventually to the Supreme Court ruling that overturned those laws against interracial marriages, yeah. In the United States. Other the United States. So, so it's a really powerful and profound story, but it is told with such restraint and intimacy that you just feel like you're right there. He doesn't overplay anything. Mm-hmm. And, and if you just let the quiet settle in, you can really recognize, you can see the power in just small images that he uses. The performances are really beautiful, especially Ruth Naga, who plays Mildred. So... Hopeful, so compassionate, such a lovely anchor to the entire movie. But it's just beautiful. If you get the opportunity to see and Joel Loving, Edgerton plays Richard Loving, and yeah. he does a nice job. He's he's a man of few words. Yep. So while the performance is great, he probably has eleven lines in the entire two hours. <laughs> so it's a little hard to hang a lot on yeah. him. But he's a great presence. It's a it's a really wonderful film. Well, and it's so understated. And in my book, as I've said before, I would much rather have understatement than overstatement. You yes. can speak much more loudly that way, especially in um, in a topic as sensitive as an, as important yeah. as this one. So yeah. really appreciate his his approach. Jeff Nichols, always worth checking out his work, especially Loving. That's his latest and limited release. And another one that this is kind of slipping in in the holiday weekend. Yeah, it's, it's coming out on Friday. Almost everything else came out on the day before Thanksgiving on yeah. Wednesday. And this one, Miss Sloan, opens Friday. Yeah, and it stars Jessica Chastain and also very timely subject matter concerning lobbyists Mm -hmm. and conflicts Mm -hmm. and how 
certain powers that be control the narrative. Exactly. And and it, you'll almost miss that that is the point of the movie because there is so much going on. The the core story, right, the the, the sort of plot that you're following is she plays, Jessica Chastain plays Miss Sloan, Elizabeth Sloan, who's a lobbyist. She leaves her great big giant lobbying firm to go work for a little nonprofit firm. And the bill that they're, they're working on either side of is about is a gun control law. And um, and so that's really the main thing is how is her old firm trying to outmaneuver her because she's this brilliant lobbyist and it and it keeps you it's very there's a lot going on there's a lot of there's it's a very clever well written plot but underneath it all what it's really exposing is how we as the American public are never fed the honest information about anything what we get is this manipulated narrative that different lobbyists are putting out there so that they can counteract mm-hmm. their opposition, which is fascinating. I would say that the film might be a little bit overwritten. It doesn't take an understated approach for sure, and there's a little bit of speechifying, but it's very satisfying. It's very, very clever. Um, Jessica Chastain, who is a, a incredibly talented performer, she's very good in it, and, and it, just this icy, relentless, almost soulless character but it's offset by by uh, smaller supporting characters uh, played by people like Mike Mark Strong, who's oh. who's funny and genuine and weird, um, and also uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, mm-hmm. who is another great actor and has a small role. And and so I think that the more recognizable characters that populate the rest of the film help offset her. She's supposed to be somebody that you would a very unusual person and this is why she is such a success but it helps to accept her that they have more normal people around her so it's it's a little curious to me why this is coming out this week and and so late in this holiday weekend especially when we're looking ahead there's not much coming next week and we'll get to that in a little bit but a little curious to me about this one coming in so late in the holiday weekend it might it might get kind of swallowed up and and forgotten about so we'll see that's miss sloan and there's a few things coming out on video, a couple very, very good ones. We cannot recommend highly enough. New on video and streaming this week is Kubo and the Two Strings and Hell or High Water, two of our favorites from the year. Yeah, I would say uh, Hell or High Water absolutely will make my top ten of the year. I cannot imagine enough movies of uh, <laughs> that quality coming out between now and the end of the year that, that Hell or High Water wouldn't be. Right now, it's in my top two. Yeah, it's it's Jeff Bridges, it's Chris Pine, it's Ben Foster, sort of like a a modern-day Western, exactly. almost. It's got that feel, and it's a fantastic movie, fantastic movie, and and uh, an animated, you know, seeing an animated film as beautiful as Kubo and the Two Strings on the small screen is a little bit of a, you know, you well, can't yeah. quite get the full effect, but if it's the only way you can see it, we would still recommend it. Yeah, because it is, it is one of those, the music is great, the look is amazing, the story is so different from what we usually get in animated films, and yet it's still very accessible and enjoyable. It's a beautiful, brilliant film. film. Yeah. Go on the two strings. Also out on video this week is War Dogs, which was interesting. It, it started well. It has a great, features a great performance by Jonah Hill. Yes. Just another indication about this guy... He's, he can act. Yes. Um, and so it's not great. It is interesting, based on a true story about how these two 20-something guys uh, got a multi-hundred million dollar contract from the government to provide arms um, and weapons. It's, it's an incredible story, uh, but it goes off the rails a I little bit. I think probably the direction was the problem, which I, f- I feel like the director yeah. couldn't decide whether he was for these guys or yeah. against these guys. Yeah, the view- and re- it seemed to almost... It's a bit morally ambiguous, the film itself. The viewpoint it takes is almost like, look at these crazy guys, right. instead of getting behind the outrage 
of what happened. Of, and how yeah. easy it, it is yeah. to 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 do this black market horror that they yeah. Yeah, but there are some there's some interesting things about the movie if you're interested. Also, Hands of Stone, the uh, movie about uh, Roberto Duran, which again is uh, I didn't right. like the viewpoint it took. It came no. it came at the story of a uh, of Roberto Duran. As told by an older white man, right? Which is Robert which De Niro as the trainer. Which but Edgar was, Ramirez, who's so good, yeah, and he's he really, Durant. really good in the movie. So it's all right. But one of note is maybe the clubhouse leader right now for the worst movie of the year. Yes, and that is Mechanic Resurrection. That comes out on video. So if you want a good laugh, <laughs> totally, totally ridiculous. Uh, Mechanic Resurrection could be, could be, could win the crown. For a worst movie of the year, we'll see. We got a few weeks to go. Best use of shark repellent for sure. <laughs> Did you know shark repellent came in a cream? <laughs> I'm waiting for the handy spray-on version myself. <laughs> but uh, that's just one of the many ridiculous things. As we said, though, next week a little dry. Uh, coming next week is, as far as we know right now, a couple of movies called Kidnap and Incarnate. So, so Kidnap is the one with Halle Berry. Mm-hmm. You know, her son is taken, played by her actual son. And then yeah. she decides to just chase him down on her own. Is it a, seems like a taken. I have a particular set yeah. of skills. Maybe. A little bit. I don't think she yeah. has the skills. I okay. think she just has the maternal instinct. I, don't I have know. no particular set of no, skills. None. And I'm coming for you. But I, I should not be playing Marco Polo with my small child in a crowded park because the point is that he hides from me. So I, that's a good lesson to learn. <laughs> on the other hand, I do look like Halle Berry, so I can distract you in that way. <laughs> Incarnate is one. It's a horror film. It looks fairly terrible, but I love <laughs> But I love Aaron Eckhart. You know, oh, and yeah. he's su- he makes some bad movies. He, he made does. that bad Frankenstein movie, Woo. but he makes some great ones too. And he's very talented. And so, if he's in something, plus I have such a weakness for horror movies anyway. Yeah. And this is kind of an exorcist sort of thing, but it's psychological. He's a scientist. Whatever. I'm okay. In. So we'll see. Maybe there's something coming that's slipping through our cracks right now. We'll find out. But uh, please keep the conversation going. A lot of movies to talk about. If you want to chime in, we love to hear from you on Twitter. We are at Mad Wolf. That's M-A-D-D-W-O-L-F on Facebook. You can find us, Mad Wolf Columbus. And uh, this Screening Room podcast is a presentation of the Columbus Radio Group and MadWolf.com. So far, the big, I think the big recommendation this week, Moana for the family. Yep. yep. And uh, maybe on a limited basis, uh, Allied would be next in line. Uh, And of course, Loving, if it's in your area, please. If it's in your area, please see Loving. So that's the screening room for this week. I am George Wolf. I'm Hope Madden. Happy Thanksgiving. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner.